Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Welcome to After the Act, a film podcast where we talk about movies and shows that we've watched. We are your hosts. I am Randy here with The Adjudicator. And today we are going to spend our time reviewing John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Episode 2, baby. This is Episode 2. We made it again. We're still here. It's great. And, you know, we might as well just jump in because we are huge fans of John Wick. We're, we're Wickheads. Just uh, coining that term now. Wickheads over here. And... We're Wickas. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're Wickas. Uh, Mother Wicca. That, that might work as well. Um, there's so much to unpack in this movie. I love a good choreographed action movie. So what we're going to do today is... First, we're going to jump into some trailer reviews. Then we're going to slide into some non-spoiler reviews followed by very spoiled reviews, um, and then a little surprise after the main review section. So, um, to start it off, Adjudicator, what did you think of the trailer for John Wick Chapter 3? Well, if I had it based on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably give it a bajillion, because that's a real number. Definitely is. Um, And the reason I say that is because this trailer absolutely impressed me for several reasons, but... I'm going to kind of just go through the motions little by little here. So it starts off exactly after the second movie, which, as you remember, he kills Santino, who's the head of the, I guess, the Italian mafia in the Continental Hotel, which is completely illegal. So the trailer starts off immediately with him uh, running with his dogs in the streets of New York City because he's been he's considered excommunicado. And he's trying to find a way to survive now that everyone's trying to kill him for a massive bounty. So the trailer does a great job of just cutting straight to the main event. Um, it doesn't you know, add too much fluff. But what you do see is just so hype. So you start off with him running through the streets with his dog. And then all of a sudden you jump into a scene with him fighting in like a knife. I don't even know what to call it. It's not a knife store, but it's like a... It looks like a museum of some kind, but he's just having this really cool battle, throwing knives at guys while guys are throwing knives at him. And then from there, you start to see that in this movie, John Wick will be going through some kind of journey across the world because you see him in like sand dunes and then you see him meet his, I guess, friend uh, named Sophia. And then you go into her doing like crazy stunts with her dogs and her killing, you know, people, those you know, poor unfortunate souls who get their balls bitten by massive dogs and then get shot in the head. Um, and then from there, it kind of gives you a little bit of a background on um, what he plans to do, which I guess is go back to the Continental at some point to meet Winston. And he just starts, again, wrecking face and, and doing all the really cool gunplay that you would expect from a John Wick film. But then something really interesting 
you know, I thought it was really interesting in the trailer. And I always like when a trailer engages me and acknowledges that I want to be engaged. So you see him at some point um, sitting down and there's this guy who's bald speaking to him. Um, and his name is Zero in the film. We'll get more into that later. But he's just there telling John Wick. He's like, oh, yeah, I've heard a lot about you. And uh, guess what? So far, you haven't disappointed. And he's pretty much just speaking uh for the audience right because up until that point we've just seen really cool action sequences and uh like him we were pretty hyped for the movie uh so i thought that bit was really cool and another thing i was particularly impressed about was that the trailer does an excellent job of keeping you engaged and invested in wanting to watch a movie um, where you think you've seen it all by the second one, right? Because that's generally the problem with action films. You you watch them, and then if there's a sequel, it's kind of the same old, same old, and it's very difficult to keep action sequences fresh and innovative. But in this particular trailer, they show you three different sequences at least, one with him on a motorcycle, the one in the knife shop, um, and then him in the, in the, in the building. I, I guess it's a building with the dogs killing people. But yeah, it does an excellent job of wanting you to wanting you to come in asking for more. And another thing I was particularly impressed about was by doing that, it's actually achieving something I've rarely seen in movies. And that's when you create a trilogy. I can't even remember the last time I, I, I saw a trilogy and the third movie looked like it was going to be the best movie out of all of them. I don't think I've ever seen that. And just based off of this trailer, it actually has me thinking this is going to be the best movie out of the three. It looks like it has the most story. It looks like the action sequences are far more polished. And the actors in it just genuinely seem happy to be there. They, they, they look like they're having fun. So when, when you see an actor in that zone, you can already tell it's just going to be a really fun ride. So uh, that's pretty much my review of the trailer. Uh, did I miss anything, Randy? Uh, any anything at all, or maybe you just had some like extra stuff to add in there that I missed? Yeah, no, I'll pretty much echo your sentiments. Um, I didn't need a trailer to be hyped for this movie, and sometimes I like to stay away from trailers if I already know I'm going to watch it. But there's something about John Wick that I just need to get a taste of what's going to happen already. And watching those trailers, I'm like, yeah, this looked awesome. Like what else did I need other than John Wick riding on a horse killing people on the highway? Like, of course. Of course I needed to see that in the trailer. That got me completely hyped for the movie if I wasn't already. Um, well, one thing that's interesting about the trailer dynamic versus what you actually see is that a good trailer probably shows a lot of the main plot points that are at least the most engaging to users. Um, but the problem with that kind of trailer is that once, once you watch the movie, then you've already seen everything that was good. Um, I think John Wick trailer, I, I'd give it like a B if I were to give it a, a letter grade. I think everything they showed was great. But actually after watching the movie, then re-watching the trailers, I did notice that some of my favorite uh, action sequences were at least previewed in the trailer. So it wasn't too spoiled, so I don't, I don't knock it too much. But uh, I, I think... Almost every other shot was during that knife glad shark fight that we saw in the movie. I think every other shot in the trailer was that, like him fighting people in there. And I think that was probably one of the best choreographed fights in the whole movie. Um, so I, it definitely hyped me up. 
I think they showed a little, like maybe one too many of the cards in the trailer, but I mean, it was effective. And like a trailer, you know, it's cut pretty fast. And in these scenes, they're so long. Like the knife fight or the glass shards last knife fight, that was a solid, like at least five minutes straight scene of them just fighting. And you, you just feel as exhausted as John Wick is because you're, you're there for so long. So even though they showed a lot of that, those scenes in the trailer, it felt totally different while watching the movie. Um, so I thought it was an excellent trailer. Um, even the stuff they spoiled, spoiled slightly wasn't that much of a spoiler. Um, yeah, the action sequence, sequences were great. And I mean, probably watching that trailer made me watch it the night it dropped, like right after work. You know, shoved the pizza in my face, went to see John Wick. Didn't regret a moment. Um, but yeah, yeah, the trailer was pretty great, pretty spot on. And I think just to kind of finish up that that thought there, Another thing that John Wick has become pretty well known for is to build this really cool world where everything's really stylistic and the the hitmen are more than just, you know, mindless killing machines. They come off as very sophisticated individuals with, you know, high intellect and intelligence. And the trailer still captures that vibe pretty well. You see like ballerina dancers with some classical music in the background while all of these right. like stylized sequences are occurring. It just has that signature to it that I think people find really unique and interesting. And I think that's also a great thing about this trailer is it still manages to give you that genuine John Wick vibe, but also showing you things you haven't before in the previous two films. Yeah, very stylish. And yeah, I think the trailer definitely reflected that pretty well. All right. So if nothing else about the trailer... We're going to dive into our non-spoiler review of John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. So non-spoiler. So we still have a chance to get a taste for what the movie did for us. And then you're going to want to stop, see it, then come back to this. So, Adjudicator, your overall review, non-spoiler, of John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Man, well, it's very difficult to kind of do that. In my opinion, because no, I, I agree. One I of agree. the one of one of one of the interesting things about the John Wick films, like you said, is they're meant to be really long takes or really long sequences, so you feel as exhausted as John Wick is in the film. And it being an action movie, a lot of these things kind of blend together throughout the whole movie. Like the movie itself, I think, has got a runtime of two hours or something like that, or at least close to two hours. But it doesn't feel that way because it. It genuinely blends together so well that you just see, you just feel like it flows continuous. It's very fast, but it also doesn't lose your attention or exhaust you to the point where you don't want to watch anymore. But saying that, it's very difficult to talk about the aspects of the film uh, that were not part of those just genuine action sequences that were important to the plot without getting into specifics. So I'm going to give it a try, but, you know, bear with me here. So like we talked about earlier, the trailer kind of goes into showing you a few of the action sequences. And that was actually one of my gripes, having seen the film after the fact that most of those sequences were part of the better um, parts of the movie in terms of them revealing it and you expecting it. But one thing I did really enjoy in terms of the overall film and I know I mentioned this just a few minutes ago but they actually do take time to build their world up a little bit more which I thought was what made this movie better than the other two 
The story was pretty loose in the first one. It is actually very loose, you know. Just the Russian mob kills his dog, and little do they know they pick the wrong guy, which is pretty generic in terms of an action film. But then, what made up with that? What made up uh, for that in that film was that it built a really cool world, like I said, with these really sophisticated, intelligent characters that were stylized and and very interesting. And then in the second film, you got a little bit more of a story. They hinted at Santino having a relationship with John Wick. And then you realize that there's a thing called the high table and each head of the mafia sits at the high table. And it's kind of like an Illuminati organization, so to speak, where they kind of control everything around the world. But then you still don't get too much um, info. It's just more, again, bigger and better action sequences but in this film, and I'm not saying this film does a perfect job of it either because it has moments that I'll get into when we get into the spoilery parts, but it does a it does take time to actually add uh, some explanation to the questions we had in the first and second film and simultaneously make the world a little bit larger. Um, so you do get more information on the high table and kind of just the, the mechanisms in which this world functions, the rules of what takes precedent over, um, for instance, a marker. Um, and we saw the marker in the second film being introduced and how if you make a promise, a blood pact with a marker, that kind of is for life until you fulfill it and it holds great significance. But in this film, they kind of establish additional rules when they introduce new characters that you didn't know of before, um, like the adjudicator, which we'll get into when we get into the spoiler parts of the review. But World building was better. Um, obviously, they could have done more, but I understand based on the ending of the film why they did what they did. Um, but I really appreciated that. Obviously, the se the action sequences were bigger and, and badder, so to speak. But uh, another thing I wanted to mention was Halle Berry. Um, I normally, and I'll be honest, don't like any movie with Halle Berry. I think she's always overacting in her films or just doesn't she just doesn't seem that convincing to me as an actress I think most of the time people just casted her because she's very attractive but you know neither here nor there she was phenomenal in this film she did a great job of portraying um, this character that was John Wick's friend and they have a past together which I, I can't get into right now for this segment but she did a great job of conveying those emotions of sorrow um, and grief and also a little bit of anger towards John and I was skeptical at first with them casting her but after watching the film she was uh, she was phenomenal so I really appreciated that with her introduction as a new character they were able to give her a personality where it made her unique and it actually made you care about her which is something action films don't normally do well they focus on the action and they don't really go into character development that heavy and if they do it's always for the main character or maybe a secondary character but everybody else is fodder not John Wick 3 the characters they introduce have some depth to them which is something more action films definitely need to do um, but in terms of spoiler free review that's all I've got Randy what about you yeah fair enough um, so I will say that this might be my favorite John Wick installment. I'm still trying to chew over. I feel like this better than the first one, which I still think is one of the best action 
films of the last decade. But this one might top it. And it's hard for the third movie to be even tied with the first movie. Um, what I love about this movie, it does not... It, it's We're here for the choreography of the action, first and foremost. And it does not drop the ball on that. It is still fantastically choreographed. If you think John Wick killing someone with a pencil in the second movie is cool, um, you know, wait till he do- <laughs> wait till you see what he does in a library. Um, they have great ways of inventing new ways for John Wick to gruesomely kill all his foes and enemies. And all around that awesome action sequences for the what two hours and eleven minutes of the, of the film, they have lore building. This movie feels like an anime. We just see these outrageous concepts that we just accept of society being run by this behind-the-scenes high table. We get a few more pieces of the lore with uh, who is actually responsible for maintaining some of the the logistics of the world. And that's done in a really cool way. They introduce these new characters. They're flashy. They have really good attitudes of who their character is and how they should be portrayed um the adjudicator is a new character there and i just i love what um she's doing in that role it, it just makes so much sense and like of course they would have someone like her um maintaining some of the i guess facilities rules um and i actually like where the plot goes i i think i do think that this plot shares similarities with the plot of john wick 2 which is essentially john wick has a bounty people are trying to kill him but I actually like the reasonings behind John Wick's threes uh, um, issues trying to solve there, where the very beginning of the movie, we we pretty much see what the con- conflict is, and we are as stressed out as the main character is. So um, any movie that can get me as stressed as an assassin is probably doing something right, and this movie does definitely succeeds. Um, I can't wait till I till this comes out on video on demand because I'm gonna probably binge the whole trilogy. This is the next great trilogy of of our uh, action series. Uh, I don't know decades since 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 the Matrix uh, series. I think this is one of probably the next best trilogy in, in terms of action series. Uh, absolutely love it and. Where it ends is also an interesting place too, and we'll get into that very shortly. But overall, I I really love this movie. I would give it a a A minus if I were to drop a letter grade on here. Um, Adjudicator, where would you put it on your rankings of the John Wick series? In terms of just compared to other action movies, um, compared to other John Wick movies, because those are the only action movies that matter at this point. <laughs> Well, I would honestly, I uh, it's tough. I mean, they're they're all great movies, and that's that's such a good yeah. problem to have that each movie is fantastic in its own way. Um, but I I have to say the third was my favorite, and and I'm very all happy right. to be able to say that that the third installment in in any franchise was my favorite. Never been able to say that before, but this one just had a perfect blend for me of not only world building but the characters really were unique and at the same time the fight scenes were just better than the other two films uh, I can't I can't say anything bad about this film in terms of an action movie it, it really gives you everything you could ever hope for in an action film and so for that reason I would definitely give this one 
an A plus baby, an A plus. Now the other oh, two shit. movies, all right. Yeah, no, absolutely, okay. A plus. The first, the first Fair John enough. Wick for me was a was a B plus. I I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it had a really weak hmm. plot, and the fight scenes were actually so so. They weren't that interesting in terms of things we've seen before, like the Matrix or Raid Redemption, which we'll get into later. Um, but then the second one came in. I gave that one an A minus um, because it was more involved. The action sequences you had Common doing some really cool things. You had him fighting other hitmen. That's true. Common um, Yeah, he even reintroduced the pencil in the second one in like a really cool way, so we can finally see how he does it. Um, and then in this one, they just go even further. So for me, this one was a solid A plus. The second John Wick A minus. First John Wick B plus. But all of them are great in their own right. But this one for me was the best. Fair enough. I think that still counts for honor roll. So I think John Wick made the honor roll there. Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? No need to stall anymore. So right now we are going to get into our spoiler review for John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. You've been warned. Anybody listening, you've been thoroughly warned. Actually, I like the idea of John Wick Chapter 4 being about him being spoiled of a movie and then him trying to kill that person. That's my pitch for John that's Wick the ne- <laughs> That's the next great action film right there. Because, you know, John Wick's just, someone killed his dog. So it, it, any movie can start off with a, with a crazy premise. Exactly. That could be, that could be the next one. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is a man scorned. He went to, he wanted to see the, the most hype movie of the summer and someone ruined it for him. And now he's on a mission from God to right the wrongs. Someone spoiled Lion King for him. He never saw the original. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, all right. Well, let's start it off. So John Wick 3, they started exactly where John Wick 2 ended. So he, he's been placed on, what was it, excommunicado uh, by the handlers at the high table. Yeah. And now he has a $14 million bounty in a world of assassins. So, and rising. <laughs> yeah. And what was crazy about the end of John Wick 2 was that last shot of everyone pretty much getting a notification that John Wick 2 is not going to have a bounty on his head in an hour. And everyone in the park, in like Central Park, looks at their phone and just like looks at John Wick. And you're like, God damn, like, I think everyone's an assassin in this world. <laughs> at least that's what it felt like. So for them to start off Which right after a... that, to be like, yeah, pretty much everyone in New York wants to kill you. Wants to kill you anyways, in regular New York. But now everyone in New York is an assassin who can get 14 big ones to kill you. I'm pretty stressed too. <laughs> well, to be fair, man, maybe that's just how New York City is. They're not actually lying or fantasizing. Maybe that's <laughs> why it's so difficult to live there. Everyone's an assassin. That you know that might be true. That actually, might that, that would explain why no one gives a shit when you're in there. I think yeah, you could be getting like murdered in an alleyway, and people just keep walking. They're like, "Damn, he beat me to it." That would have been a good bounty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now I can't pay rent. Yeah, so they started off here, and it's – I forgot what the time limit was already, but I feel like we were living under an hour. An hour. Yeah. It was an hour. Yeah, right yep. under an hour. And we just see him running. You don't, you have no idea where he's going to go. He has his dog with him. It's raining. And immediately I'm like, oh, please protect that fucking dog. For the love of God, I can't handle more dogs being dead in John Wick. 
Um, and I'm just stressed out because where are you going to get to anywhere? Like, he's in a cab trying to get to the library. Like, you have weird priorities, John Wick. Like, uh, all right, yeah, got to get, get to that library. And they come to one of the best scenes. He's got already. a late book, man. It's his last time to return it. <laughs> he, he might not get another chance. He has no other time to read but now. This is the only chance he has. Um, and, I, I, dude, I love where they started off this movie. Where he was, uh, like, they don't give a lot of lip service to the uh, the plot. They don't, they don't give a lot of exposition verbally. You just see them do things and you just kind of accept it. So he's in a library. He has this weird book with a carved out like a medallion thing. There's some coins, um, some other little items there. Then a picture of his family, his wife, his late wife. And I'm like, you know what? All right, those things are important. So I get why he's here. He clearly needs to do that to do some weird assassin entry and elsewhere. All right, I'm here with him. And then this big dude comes by, corners him in this little aisle. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. It's going to start right now. And I got really fucking excited once because I love the logic where everyone respected the rules. Like everyone was like, all right, we cannot kill John Wick um, and get the bounty if we kill him anytime before he, the hour is up. And this big dude's like, yeah, hey, you know, you got a few minutes left. Like we're in the library. Who's going to know if I kill you? <laughs> like, you know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. And they start fucking fighting. And this first action scene did not disappoint. Like, it's just this big dude fighting John Wick. And John Wick's kind of getting his ass beat a little bit, but he's still fighting this dude who's like 300 pounds, seven feet. The mountain. Yeah, he looks like the mountain. <laughs> he looks like the grandchild of Andre the Giant, if his grandchild's also humongous. Um, yeah, I think it was just the, the mountain's cousin, I'm pretty sure. Um, the, the hill, maybe. <laughs> but this dude was huge. Yeah. <laughs> the mound. I actually know that's the wrong movie. Never mind. <laughs> And it's a porn name. I mean, yeah. well, you know, that's that's not a bad one either. But my, I think my favorite kill, uh, at least top three favorite kills, came in this first action sequence, where he pretty much just collapsed his throat and broke his fucking neck with the spine of a book. This, I, I've I've never used books in that way, I, and I realize I've been using them all wrong. Um, the power the power of reading through knowledge, knowledge held in books power. is powerful <laughs> yeah i but i love this opening sequence it had so much dread of i don't know where it needs to get to go but you need to get the fuck out of there john and then for them to kick it off we're like all right um seven minutes into the film he killed someone with a book and he's been stabbed viciously so where are we gonna go from here <laughs> what'd you think of the movie up to now well, I thought it was a fantastic choice to use a book because we saw him kill someone with a pencil <laughs> in the previous film. So it's a logical I mean, next step. It's only step. fitting that the next... That's right. He's he's essentially writing the story of your demise. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that was that was such a great... Like, again, it's it's all, it's all about the atmosphere. It builds, off right up, builds up right off the bat. He, they're fighting in a library, which is hilarious, right? Because you'd expect, like, a librarian to come in and be like, shh, quiet in the library, and then, like john kills her or something but um yeah it's it's really cool to see like you mentioned people just respecting the rules and it's little details that like that that add to the world building of the the universe that john wick takes place in for some reason all of these hardcore hit people um follow these rules to the t and they do not question the rules yeah and 
because you see that you realize oh there's there's a higher force at work here there's this high table thing is serious business because if all these people are choosing to accept these rules except Andre the Giant he got what he deserved um there's 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 got to be some some crazy backstory to these uh to these heads of the mafia yeah. so right off the right off the bat it, it leaves you with questions but it also has you even more hype because of what you just saw go down and yeah it was uh it was a great great way to start a John Wick film and they all start well but this one this one was particularly great yeah and i love that scene right after that where he's trying to get repaired by the doctor there's like 5 minutes left and uh, i'm like yeah there's I don't, I don't you know i'm not a doctor i know i know you're studying to be i'm not i'm not sure if 5 minutes is enough to you know sterilize and stitch up um a, a knife wound but <laughs> i like like yeah the time was up and the doctor just had to stop you know he had to follow the rules too so not even assassins are the only ones bounded by it but even doctors who are sworn to help people in this universe yeah they're sworn to help people until they're excommunicado then you know it's fuck you but <laughs> that's the part of the hippocratic oath they don't tell you <laughs> once you're placed in excommunicado we cannot help you that's it's one of the last pages. It's never it's happened. Fine yet. print. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and this doctor had to follow to the team. Yeah, he he stops. Yeah, I, I I love that little touch. <laughs> Absolutely, and it was interesting too because even right after that scene where he immediately stops, John patches himself up, but he tries to grab pills from a shelf, and the doctor tells him where to grab the painkillers. And right as John's about to leave, he tells John, they're going to know that I told you where those pills were. (laughs) And John's like, well, you technically didn't help me. He's like, they're still going to know. Somehow they're going to know, which is, again, it just adds to the mystery of the high table. And John has to end up shooting him twice to make it look like he shot him and took the pills by force. (laughs) That's like a great comedic scene, too. Because the doctor's like, yeah, just shoot me here. Just avoid it. And John Wick, without hesitation, just shoots him. He's like, oh, you know what? One's not going to do it. Do it one more time. Bam. Like, without hesitation. (laughs) This is like, yeah, no, he gets it. He gets the logic. Got to make it look reasonable. And yeah, they they just move on from there. I just love that world. Like, they have some history already of like, yeah, I like John Wick. John Wick likes me. I'm going to help up a little bit, and I'll take two bullets for the guy. That's love when a when a random doctor will take two bullets for you. Also, I'm sure that's how most people feel when they go to the doctors. They just want to pull out a 9mm and pop pop. Just uh, <laughs> take care of business. They're like, how dare you give me that rectal exam? Now you're going to get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think most people, yeah, they, they try to kill the doctors immediately after stitching them up. Um. But yeah, at least in New York City. Yeah, New York City, I believe it. Like that all does seem very, very viable for a New York City vibe. I think that's how all clinics go down. And then after that, it gets fucking buck wild, dude. Like, I think think my favorite scene of the movie was what what we talked about. The trailers showed a lot. And now I understand why the trailers showed it so much. But this, um, you know, like the first group of people that followed John Wick into like this alley and into a building. And then it was like, what, like a museum of knives and whatnot. But it was just an amazing work of John Wick fighting like five people who are obviously trained assassins and great with fucking knives. And it's just them throwing knives at each other. This crazy choreography with physicality. 
It literally turned into the point where they ran out of weapons, so they just kept breaking glass to get more shit to throw at each other. <laughs> they just needed more pointy objects to throw, and it was insane. Dude, they showed a scene where literally any other movie would have had a cut. It was John Wick had him in like in a headlock, like a half guillotine chokehold, and him just getting closer and closer to his eye with like the knife, and then you're like, oh yeah, this is where they cut it. Nope, pierces, blood splurts out, and yeah, you show him stab him in the fucking eye. Like, that's why we're at a John Wick movie, to see him stab people in the eye with glass shards and knives. It's fucking fantastic, dude. Well, to the defense of the director, he did give you the cut, just not the one you were expecting. Oh man, he's got damn puns. I'll accept it. I'll accept it. Because that was, that was, it was yeah. a fantastic scene. It, it, it deserves at least a pun in that, in that moment. Uh, yeah, that was just a but great I, scene. I agree. It, was, it was just like glass shards oh getting close to wait, like wait, the wait. testicle area, just people getting nicked in the throat. It was, it was pretty intense. I, I was scared for everyone involved. Wait, Randy, I'm sorry. I just have to in- insert this one. Would you say that particular bad guy didn't make the final cut? No, I, I wouldn't say that. I would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I accept that you said uh, it. It's fair enough. It's I fair did enough. say it. Um, yeah, this 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 whole beginning scene of him just fighting off people. Again, <laughs> we could probably say this. We can insert these audios into any other John Wick film review, and it still sound the same. Like, oh man, this crazy action sequence where he cut people. Yeah. Because it's still crazy. It's still awesome. And he's still cutting people. It looks so fucking good. Um, and I think after that, we get him going to... I, I guess like we, this is our first taste of his true origin story, right? So after he runs away from a, a, a barrage of different kind of people he fought, he ends up in this, I don't know, this like theater. And he they let him in with the cross that he pulled from the book in the library. And then I guess he meets his foster mom or something like that. But it was just a really cool scene of you're like ballet going on in the background. And you understand that this lady is important. Like she's the big fucking deal. And John acts accordingly. But even she, even though he's excommunicado and no, no one's trying to kill him in his building. So you're already like, all right, cool. This is important for some reason. And then you found out that was like an orphanage that he grew up in and learned to be an assassin as a kid. Like, again, this felt like like Naruto almost. Like, they were, like, training these little kid ninja assassins um, for some unbeknown reason. Uh, but, yeah, I thought always this was great. Always going back to movie. anime. What was that? It always comes back to anime. It, everything comes back. Everything good comes back to anime. Um, and John Wick comes back to anime because it's fucking good. I, I love this lore section, though. How do you feel about it? Uh, again, it does a fantastic job of continuing the pace of how the movie is introduced to you um, because in the library you're like why is he going to a library and then he goes and he opens this book um, which is funny because everything in the John Wick movies has to do with Russian folklore or Russian literature um, and he goes to the library and he's like where can I find such and such book from this Russian author and the lady's like okay it's here and this is right before he fights that giant dude he opens the book and he pulls out like a variety of different things. A marker, I think, is one of them. Some gold coins. And then you see something you've never seen before. And again, this is great. I, I love the way they did that because it's introducing something new in the third film that you didn't know about 
until recently. So it shows the gold coins, which we saw in the first movie. And then that was all we saw in terms of a currency that they used in that Hitman world. And then the second item is a marker, which was introduced in the second movie, which you didn't know about until that very moment. And then the third item in that book was something, again, we didn't see, which was a cross. It was like a rosary bead, um, but I think it, the, the cross was actually either copper or some kind of metal. And you're like, okay, well, he went to the library to get that. That must be important. And then in this scene, it's important because that cross is a symbol of that Russian family. It's like a, it's like a, a crest, and it's pretty much just a ticket to get one wish, so to speak. So he tells the head of this woman... This the head of this family who's portrayed by this woman and she's like well you're excommunicated we can't help you just having you here puts all of us at risk and then he whips out the cross on the rosary and he's like you owe me one favor and she honors it you know we'll, we'll get into that part of the movie in, in just a second but he has one request and she honors it and then they take the cross from the rosary and they use it to brand John Wick. How I mean how badass is that and yeah. At that vicious. moment you're just like I didn't even know that that was another element to this world and and now it's completely fascinating and it's so cool. Also really looks painful but he's John Wick, he can take it. And um they also show a scene where when he's walking from the entrance of the theater into the back room where the the woman is waiting for him they show a bunch of guys like young kids wrestling and grappling and again it just adds to subtle moments that explain john wick's origin so clearly this is some kind of orphanage for a mafia family and they know who he is and they've said welcome back so you know this is probably where he came from and without having to say anything, and again, since we've studied film, Randy, you can agree with me on this. It's better to show and not tell. And they do an excellent job of doing that in this film. And uh, just, yeah, just those sequence of events in this brief moment in the film. And you've already got more information than you didn't have before. And on top of that, you see the relevance of the previous scene, which was getting the rosary. And guess what people he just goes on from there he once he he gets out of that uh theater that favor he cashed in is going to take him to the next important element of the of the of the film and like the overall world building of where the high table uh comes from what it represents etc yeah um you know him getting branded was pretty hardcore but i still think the more grosser hardcore thing was when that one ballerina girl peeled off her toenail, just the whole fucking thing. Oh, right. And didn't even wince. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, you when you're raised there, no one gives a shit. <laughs> that said it all for me. Like, all right, these kids ain't playing around. They're all going to grow. They all have that classic hardcore. John Wick face. Resting John Wick face. Is Wick what they face have. is a thing. <laughs> like, you just do not give a fuck. And um, and honestly, yeah. that's why Keanu Reeves is the perfect man for that role. I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to insult John or uh, Keanu Reeves when I say this, but he has a very distinct type of acting. He seems very monotone, so he's best suited for roles of the quiet, mysterious yeah, type. He's of very guy. reserved. He and, has a natural reservation about him, right? 
Yeah. And I think that this particular role was just perfect for him, just like Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Keanu Reeves is John Wick. He is perfectly suited for that character. And I think that's what also makes this film so successful. Yeah. Um, and before we jump off to John Wick going to see Halle Berry, can we talk about, hey, Adjudicator, can we talk about the Adjudicator in this film real quick? Because she goes on a series of meetups right. that were great lore building too, right? We get her going to the high table first, right, to meet with uh, Winston, who, uh, he's the manager, right, I think, Winston? Um, yeah, he's the, the, he's the manager. Yeah. Continental. yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I love these series of meets she does, where she, like this movie has an overall theme of consequences, you know, uh, Wick says it himself, consequences. And she is the delivery of the consequences. So everyone who fucked up in the second film and in this film, she pretty much represents, it seems, like the high table's uh, rule, right? So she goes to the high table saying, um, you know, should have killed Wick there. Kind of fucked up, dude. You're going to get fired. And she goes to uh, uh, the... The underground king, I forget his name actually, but the one playing by Lawrence Fishburne, who's the underground crime lord, the the, the king of uh, pigeons, it seems. She she disciplines him too. <laughs> he's he's pigeon man from Hey Arnold, and uh, yeah, she gives him seven cuts. She eventually cuts the the woman who was in charge of that orphanage in a the theater, cuts her right through the hand, and I love that character. Like she just she's also. This no-nonsense person. She has one goal. She has pretty much one note. And it, she plays that note perfectly. Of these are the fucking rules. You broke it. Here are the consequences, man. I, I, I love that character. It was it was a great introduction to like, yeah, who's keeping shit in check right now? The adjudicator is keeping shit in which, check right now. Which is great, right? Because in the previous two films, especially at the end of the second one, Winston seems like he's at the top of the food chain when he's like, oh, well, yeah, John Wick asks him, why haven't you killed me already? He's like, because I've deemed it so. And in the first movie, he talks about how the Continental is his empire. And then you see someone randomly come in, drop a new kind of coin, and then they call her an adjudicator. And then all of a sudden, she's telling him he has to resign and he has no other choice. And at that point, you're kind of in awe because Winston has always been seen as that top authority figure in the movies. And now you realize there's someone above him and she represents people that are even higher above him on the food chain. So excellent world building with the adjudicator, that actress, or I'm sorry, I believe she identifies that particular actor as binary. So just use non-specific pronouns, but that actor did a fantastic job of, of portraying that walking sense of consequences like you said randy she was the embodiment of all of the choices they made and she's coming to make sure they pay for them so just building off of what you were going to say um not only does she visit winston and tell him he has to resign but at the same time she stabs the the head of the russian family through the hands and on top of that she does this by recruiting this guy yes. who just appears like a random sushi sushi chef in New York City. And it's kind of cool because it reminded me of Kill Bill Volume 2 where she goes, or I'm sorry, Kill Bill Volume 1 where she goes to um, 
I forget the guy's name, but he the Hattori Hanzo. She goes to Hattori Hanzo's sushi stand in Japan, and he just seems like this really unassuming guy. And then you realize he's like a legend when it comes to making samurai swords. But I got that same vibe from that scene where the adjudicator meets this guy who just seems really nonchalant. And then all of a sudden, again, she slides this very specific coin and he says, well, I will serve and I shall serve. And again, reinforcing the fact that everyone follows these these rules to the T. And he also mentions that he's a big fan of John Wick and he heard everything that he did when they killed his dog. So it already kind of introduces his character personality, which is, as you'll see later on in the film, he's a fanboy. He's like a hardcore fanboy of John Wick. <laughs> yeah. But she she recruits this guy, and all of a sudden, the next few scenes are him and his crew just wrecking shit completely. Like, he is a master assassin, comparable to John Wick. Uh, he looks way more threatening than Common did in John Wick 2. Or any of the Russian guys from John Wick yeah, One, he's a fucking ninja. and he's he's a ninja man. Like they show in the scenes, they show him punishing Lawrence Fishburne and the other characters. Him and his crew are so stealthy and silent. They're 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 very great parallels to what they said John Wick was, which was the boogeyman, Baba Yaga, and they're doing the same thing. They silently go through the dark and through the night and just kill everyone in their way. So. Really great way of hyping up the power of the adjudicator and also introducing this character who, just through his actions, we're able to see he's a legitimate threat. He knows about John Wick, and he must be a big deal if the adjudicator came personally to recruit, recruit him. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I love the introduction of him being this badass swordsman, and he's just with people who... There was one scene where... A guy was just walking through the door, and then you see from the shadows on top, on top of like this, I don't know, like shelf, a sword just comes out, slices him, and goes back in the shadows. I'm like, God damn, these are ninjas. This this is definitely an anime. This is hands down the best live action anime that was ever made. Um, yeah, great scenes building up to that like ultimate conflict that's coming up. Um, and then then we get John meeting Halle Berry, uh, Sophia, right? I think that's her character name. And Sophia, yeah, yeah, and we get introduced to like a new continental place. So we had like the New York continental. Yeah, this is a Casablanca continental, somewhere in the Middle East, it seems. Um, and yeah, we just get <laughs> like the first thing Hallie does is just like shoots them. They have like a little banter, and then she just fucking shoots them. <laughs> and this is like everyone just accepts what happened there. Of <laughs> just like, yeah, she's pissed off. She'll shoot you. Um, and she's just, and, like everyone else. John is meeting. He's just banking that they won't kill him ultimately because he's excommunicado. And she's like, give me one reason. And then John, you know, very calculating, had all these promises that he's now cashing in on. And he reveals like, yeah, that little blood oath thing. And I forget if that was introduced in John Wick 2, the little blood promise. Uh, yeah, that was that was the mid uh I'm sorry, the marker from Right, John the Wick marker. Two. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we already had that rule in place. And what she says, oh, yeah, she... Like you have to follow it. It's the, it's the little blood oath of the marker, and we found. We, and then we learn like really quickly. She gives a really quick exposition to her background, but how John Wick in some prequel that could be made, you know, helped her rescue her daughter. Um, and heartbreakingly, she has to stay away from her daughter for her to continue to survive wherever she is. And I'm like, well, wow, there's so much to unpack there. That is a at least a mini series in the making right there. 
but yeah, we get a, good, a quick history of her. She's reluctant to help John because that can lead to them hurting her daughter. But, you know, she'll do the bare minimum and introduce him to someone who could um, um, help him out in the long run. So we get him walking through. Um, I don't even know where they were, really. This is somewhere in the Middle East. But they meet uh, Bronn from Game of Thrones, um, which is pretty dope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering where he went from season eight. And that's where he went. He has to, he has to rule that place. Um, and The house of Bronn never dies. <laughs> Yes, yes. That's like a descendant. Uh, yeah, I think this is the same universe as Game of Thrones. It's just like, you know, thousands of years in the future. Um, but yeah, this is a really good scene there of John just pleading with him to help him introduce to the one who's above the high table, which was just like really weird lore to just drop in. And I totally accept it. Of like, there's, there's, there's an underground, there's the high table, and then there's the one above the high table. I'm like, goddamn, like, is there's is there like one above the one above the high table? I, how far is this? It felt it felt almost like Dragon Ball Z where they introduced like a Kami Zeno and then or even before Zeno it was like oh we got Kami and then we have the Grand Kai and like oh shit I didn't know there was one above this shit. Um, but it, it sounded pretty mysterious and cool. I'm like yeah all right I'll dig it. I want to meet the one above the high table who sounds like the god of this universe. Sounds pretty cool. And he said some eerie shit of like walk. Through like this, through walk through the sands and the desert, and right before you can take your last breath, like walk again or something like that. I'm like that seems pretty extreme. Like he doesn't have like a cell phone or like even like a carrier pigeon. I'm pretty sure uh, Lawrence Fishburne could help him out there. Uh, he does. He does that old <laughs> trope where it's like you can't find him, he'll find you. Exactly. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. That sounds very unreliable. I want to just walk around in the desert, almost die. And then he happens to find you. There's just so much there to unpack that I just pretty much accepted. But yeah, I love that. There's, Ultimately, there's just, he just so much blind obedience it. in John Wick. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and I don't know if it's like blind obedience or just they all know it to be true. But he, I guess even Brown's character said, you know, like he might see you, or he might not. And I'm like, well, all right, well, that that is rolling the fucking dice, John. But I guess there's, there's nothing else you could do there. Um, but yeah, just to kind of piggyback off of, just to kind of piggyback off what you were saying about the one above all and how they just kind of drop that on you. As soon as I heard that, I I immediately appreciated it because it, the direction of this whole film is to establish the complete, I guess, political system of the John Wick universe. And if you think about it, the one who sits above the table, he's like the president of the United States, right? The table would be Congress slash Senate, and the adjudicator is the judge who who lays down the the sentencing for people who have broken the rules. Yeah, so much. I re- I really I really enjoyed that because it just you know took something that we are all familiar with and kind of dramatized it into this really cool thing for John Wick. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely felt the hype when they mentioned that there was somebody above the high table and immediately your mind goes to, Oh, this person must be pretty badass If even the high table listens to everything he has to say. And they kind of allude to there being a deeper, more ancient um, backstory when it comes to the world of assassins. Cause when they meet, you know, I'll call him Bron cause I forget his actual name, but when they meet Bron, 
in his uh, little sanctuary, he shows them the very first coin ever created because I guess that entire facility is a mint of some kind. Yeah. And he's also shows them the first marker that was ever created. And then he asks them, do you even know what the origin of the word assassin comes from or, or where assassins originated? And they didn't have an answer. So for me, that was a way of the director kind of alluding to the fact that something very ancient is at play when it comes to the one who sits above the high table and just the rules in general of the world of assassins that exist in the John Wick universe. Um, so yeah, again, excellent way of just completely building upon um, the world that we've seen in the previous films. And this this one, that's why I said this one does a fantastic job of doing that the most out of any of the other films, which is what made it even more satisfying for me. Yeah, uh, and uh, Braun's character in this movie is uh, Barada, and the actor name is Jerome Flynn. So Jerome Flynn, putting some respect on your name. Um, but I love seeing him here. Respect on it. Yeah, yeah, this is good swagger of, like, yeah, he's like some high-ranking assassin. He just kind of swaggers about, he keeps asking about Sophia's dogs, you know, just in a non-secular way and then moving on to the next topic. And then he, yeah, he's like, all right, yeah, I'll help you out, John. I'll, I'll, I'll take one of her dogs and then, you know, we could be even. She obviously refuses. And then she, he shoots her dog. You get another fucking, well, what almost seemed like a dog death, number two in John Wick. <laughs> but then, you know, Halle Berry straps her dogs with, bulletproof vests everywhere she goes so uh it was i think that was one of like the second funniest part of the film at least where john just sees hallie's face and he understands like he's like don't do it don't do it and then you know she starts shooting everyone because they shot her dog and then we get that badass sequence of john wick and sophia just tag teaming the shit out of all those assassins we get crazy combo kills of like Halle Berry is like knelt like kneeling down calls her dogs over they jump over a counter sick two dude she takes a gun out of one of them shoots them above I, I don't think I've seen this level of assassin dog play in the movie before I don't think I've seen it um not at yeah, all uh, so original <laughs> it was so cool so original yeah. Oh my goodness! It's the scariest dog since the uh, the beast in Sandlot, you know. Like I didn't want to fuck these with these dogs at all. <laughs> it was great. Uh, can you recall like a favorite kill moment in that one? Well, I actually just appreciated that scene more than anything because I think at the end John Wick has that line where he's like, "Okay, I know, I get it," and which is is supposed to be a comical moment because he understands what it feels like for someone to kill his dog and then go off. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same time. At the same time, that uh, that whole sequence actually does a great job of, again, showing the close relationship and the similarities or the parallels that him and Sophia have. They both, um, they both have a tragic background where they lost something they cared about or someone they cared about, and they have these dogs as their companions. Again, it's a great parallel of everything we saw John Wick go through. She's essentially going through the same thing. And you just see her being the other half of John Wick, so to speak, in that fight sequence. It's just two people who are very similar, in sync with one another, just killing everybody in the coolest ways possible. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a great way to reaffirm how similar Sophia and John were 
and you could see why they were friends to begin with. Yeah, there's very hardcore people um, who don't take shit, especially if you fuck with their dog. Um, yeah, I, like I can't even recall one standout kill moment because I was just amazed that the, these dogs so fucking accurate. Um, they bit everyone's balls off and then bit their throat. It's pretty vicious all around. Um, and I, it's a new kind of double tap. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was like a triple tap of like dog biting the shit out of someone. Hallie shoots one. John shoots the other one. I'm like, you know what? Very efficient. I like how they operate. And I would totally watch like a Wick spinoff with the Sophia character. They'd have to be pretty cool to see we that. We should call that one the double nut tap. Double nut tap. Because they go for, mm. yeah, they go for the balls first, right? And then they, they finish it off with a shot to the head. Yeah, it's true. The, the double nut tap. And, you know, in a different context, that could sound way better. But th- this is pretty bad. It's, it's, you don't want the double nut tap at all. Um, he, no, of course I not. think my only criticism, uh, you know, w- one out of a few of this film would be, I kind of wanted more Sophia. I wanted her, like, kind of sprinkled out in more parts of the film. But for this to be her um, moment in, like, essentially act two, it's pretty great. And, you know, they, they get the information. She drives him off the desert. You know, she I have no idea what the consequences are going to be for the, the Casablanca continental manager who helps out John. But, you know, she drops him off in the desert. There's, like, you know, a fifth of bottle of water left. And before she hands it off to him, she just drinks it. Spits it, spits it back in there, and then hands it to him, which I felt was a dick move. But also, she's probably in a lot of trouble. So we've already seen what other people who help John go through after they help John. The consequences, as they repeat, they get sliced up. So now she has to deal with that probably. Um, but yeah, I kind of like how they left it off. And then we see John. I thought he wasn't going to actually do exactly what Jerome's character said to do. And wander the desert. But yeah, that's what he did. Wander the desert. Waited till he was dehydrated. Passed out. He gets picked up. And then he gets brought to the one above the high table. And he has this really cool demeanor and speech of, you know, like, yeah, he's he's head honcho. He's, you know, he's a big boss man. And he just has all these um, lines pretty much telling John, you know, we can, we can forgive you. We can um, get rid of your excommunicado. But you pretty much have to be an assassin again. And he didn't even tell him what he needed to give up in order to prove his trust. But <laughs> John laid his hand down and cut off his ring finger, which was still wearing his ring from his, you know, his previous marriage, from his late wife. And that's how you know, all right, John, like he has that line of he's, you know, he's living for the, for the memory of the love he once had with his wife. Which was like a beautiful thing there, because this was the character we were introduced to who was pretty much retired, wanted to find peace, and the dog was his one connection with his wife, and he lost that connection. And then we see the consequences of him reacting to what happens when you fuck with John's memories, and we're still dealing with those consequences. You know, it's it's not all because of a puppy, even though they have the line in this movie. It's the tangible memory of his wife is, you know continually being lost by events in these movies and for him to willing to give up another tangible memory his wedding ring and his whole fucking finger just so he can still remember his wife I thought that was a beautiful little part of you know character growth of you know what even if it means giving up these symbols if i can still live not for me but for the memory 
Well, that's a beautiful thing. I love that little narrative growth they gave John in that in that scene. Can I also just mention how hilarious it was to just see John walking in the desert in an expensive suit? Like he never takes that suit off in the entire movie, and <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like Swag the man, is how has he not died of a heat stroke? He's just wearing a giant black suit in the middle of the scorching desert. He's dressed like he's um, always ready for his casket. <laughs> he's just ready. Yeah, exactly. In a funeral. <laughs> he's got that Jadena vibe to him. He doesn't want his best dressed day in a casket. It's true. He's, he's his classic man. But also, can we just say that those dogs in the previous scene with Halle Berry or Sophia wearing the like little tactical bulletproof vest that was adorable also terrifying but adorable and very um, practical yeah exactly they have little pouches um, for guns but, like that's it's you can put <laughs> snacks in there you can put your weed in there it's so it's such a practical pack, vest I'm, packing some serious heat yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like i would totally buy but that for my dogs i would too i'm actually hopefully amazon has it i totally get that but um also, we're not sponsored by Amazon, unfortunately. But if you're listening, Amazon exec- executive, we'll be more than happy to do that. But going back to the one who sits above the table, um, actually, that was the one part of the movie I had kind of mixed feelings about because it was cool to see, um, like, add a face to the one who sits above the table. But in terms of intimidation, I really wasn't feeling it in that one scene. He did. I don't know if it was just the actor they picked or... Just they didn't give enough exposition or, or scenes with this particular character. Um, they He didn't seem that threatening to me. He was pretty mild-mannered and pretty, not soft-spoken, but he never really showed any aggression towards John, which some people might say made it more terrifying for me. It was kind of underwhelming. And like you said, he tells them that in order to get out of his current situation, he has to kill Winston because Winston is a traitor and he needs to prove that he's willing to serve again so they bring this like little golden table up to him in the middle of the desert and he just takes a chisel and chops off his ring finger with his wife's wedding band on it and gives it to the one who sits above the table as like a a sign of good faith and for me this particular scene is great because it's very symbolic throughout the whole film John mentions that he wants to live in order to keep the memory of his wife and by giving him the ring of his wife he's essentially saying okay I'm giving you that memory as a form of repayment something that is extremely dear to me so in a way he's not just giving up the memory he's actually giving up that last human part of himself and he's going to go full John Wick mode now to go and kill Winston. He's going to become the absolute boogeyman that everyone remembers him being. And that's a really powerful scene. They do it very briefly, but I really enjoyed it. My only gripe with that, I think personally, was they could have added more. That was a perfect opportunity to add more of a backstory to why he's the one who sits above the table what connection because it looked like he was in the middle east what connection the middle east has to the history of assassins and you know just how how many how powerful this guy actually is to me they didn't really do that 
Um, and I think I know why, which we'll mention towards the end. But what are your thoughts, Randy, on on that particular character when he was introduced? Yeah, that's. I think that's fair. I actually think they gave more time to. Um, I forget his name already. Uh, Jerome Flynn's character, Barada. Um, I felt like he had he had a little bit more of character, um, not development, but at least on display than I the, the one above them all. But I'll say one thing that did show how threatening he was, or at least that organization, is he got John Wick to cut off his fucking ring finger and give it to him. So if if one thing was was going to convince me that these guys are not to be fucked with, it would be John doing that much just to get his permission to get out of the excommunicado. Um, but I, 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 w- I would also like... Um, I guess some hints as to the power of these people, because is it like for all we know he could just be a, a politician and not an actual assassin, um, but we don't really know that from this one. But yeah, I do think that next movie they come out with, um, you know, John Wick might come back for that wedding ring. That could be a pretty cool scene between him and the one above them all. Yeah, I agree. And then we get to the pretty, we're pretty much getting to Act Three now, so we have. John Wick with the mission, kill Winston, and he will no longer be excommunicado, but he will be a servant of the high table forever. And he, he you know, he gets back in there, and we have a re- like a really dope sequence between John Wick and Zero and his ninja assassin crew, where they're on motorcycles flying around um, New York City, killing the fuck out of each other to the point where John's okay, John Wick. Kills what two or three people with a horse? Like I thought him killing people with a book was dope. He killed people with the hooves of horses. It's just it's fucking ridiculous. Like it's so over the top, but still not past the boundaries of a John Wick movie. <laughs> Where I'm like, I totally believe that Keanu Reeves' character will kill people with horses. I absolutely accept that. Also, yeah. how how what kind of training did John Wick get that he's just so versatile in all of these different skills? He can ride a horse like a like a pro and yeah. know exactly how to touch or hit a horse for it to like back kick someone's head off. Um, I mean, yeah, you you always I always love that about the movies. He's just there. These like I said, these people are so well educated. But when it comes to scenes like that, it just kind of makes you chuckle a little bit. You're like, man, I don't. They must have just planned for every possible scenario becoming hitman because this is ridiculous. How the hell does he know how to do this? <laughs> is some of this improv improvisation? I have no idea, but it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, out of all the things he does, I could definitely believe he can ride a horse and then slap them on their ass to kill him. But it is impressive. I I wouldn't be surprised if he can also do ballet. You know, coming from that Russian orphanage, I'm pretty sure Chapter Four he's going to be disguised as a ballet dancer. And kill someone with some kind of jumping kick. That's my that's my call for John Wick Four. And I wouldn't be surprised in yeah, the least. I, I will, I will fucking applaud. So yeah, we, we get the scenes of him fighting Zero and his people, and by the end of it, Zero is actually about to kill Wick. Like we get senses of how deadly Zero is. He's about to kill him, and John Wick just happens to be right by the steps of the Continental, places his hand on him, and then you know you have to call it off. And I forget who who's like the um the like the one right above the manager of the Continental, but he's right there to, um is it is it um, Charon? The concierge. Charon? 
yeah, the, the concierge. Um, yeah, he stops him. And I was surprised. You know, I, I thought they would continue with the whole John Wick's excommunicado. But we, we realized really soon why they stopped uh, Zero from killing him. And we just get this really cool casual scene of them chilling out in the lobby. And then while Zero, you know, he, he's not in assassin mode right now. So he just turns into fanboy like, you know, I, I really love your work. You know, like he he's definitely the representative of the audience. I love that surrogate he plays. And yeah, it's just John Wick getting licked by his dog. The dog made it, made it to the hotel. He's just fine. And yeah, Zero's just chilling and out. He was a good boy. He was he was such a good boy the entire time. And Zero's just happy to be there. Um, and then, then we get that whole follow-up of John reuniting re, uh, with the manager of the Continental. And John just tells... And you're really, we're in this really cool setting where there's like these glass and mirrors everywhere. And John's just telling him, yeah, you know, I'm here to kill you. So I can keep on living. And... You know, kudos to the manager. He he's pretty good with words, and he convinces him, saying, "Like, listen, you you can you know die a murderer or die as a as a man who loved his wife." And th- you know that that was pretty much enough to turn Wick to be like, "Yeah, you know, I don't want to resort to who I was before John Wick won." Um, you know, like yeah. And then we get the adjudicator coming in, and she asks, "Like, are you going to put a bullet in this man?" He's like, "I you know, don't don't think I will." You know, like, oh shit, okay. The Continental versus the table. And we get this crazy plot point of the adjudicator making one call saying, you know, pretty much ban the Continental, the New York City Continental specifically. And mostly without hesitation, yeah, they just pretty pretty much, uh, I forgot what they called it, but they pretty much excommunicado the hotel. Deconstructed, I think, is what they said. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, that's wild, because this has been the one saving grace of all people in trouble was this 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 hotel, and then you just see all these people checking in, and they're like, oh yeah, it's been deconstructed, so people just run the fuck out of there. Then we get that set up for the final act of Wick and friends versus the table SWAT team assassins, and dude, it went off from there. <laughs> like these are just great series of shots after this um do you have a favorite moment in these scenes moments well it was well i will say this right before john wick hits the stairs you uh, to get the safe haven from the continental with zero about to kill him right before that is that really cool motorcycle sequence you see in the trailer um and that's just part of zero's gang just kind of trying to kill him on the bikes but just that scene emphasizes how skilled they are. Similar to John Wick, they have just all of this uh, experience and, and just vast resource of talents that they use to kill people. And then when you get into the Continental, you're just asking yourself, how on earth is John can't make it out of this alive? You, you just you, you, the odds are just way stacked against him. Um, and then you see once the the Continental has been deconstructed. You see that Winston, him, and the concierge just kind of retreat into this giant safe uh, safe room, I guess. And all of a sudden, the character who's been just really prim and proper and formal the whole uh, time in the movies starts telling John, okay, well, things have changed since you've been gone, and 
now we have armor piercing bullets and he starts giving like all the information on the guns and, and the ammo and then he starts loading up with John and then him and John head out and he looks at Winston and Winston's like I'm sure you'll make the Continental proud and then he goes out and just starts killing these guys with like reinforced SWAT armor um, with these bullet piercing rounds and he's just a badass in his own right which was so cool for me because the whole movie you know him being the concierge you kind of got the feeling that he was kind of a badass himself but he never showed it and in this one he just lets loose and it's oh, it's yeah. it's just one of the cooler scenes of the film because him and John initially realize that their bullets can't pierce them and then they still find a way to kill the the SWAT team people with with their skill and then when they come back into the the safe room for the second time um, they just start getting more powerful <laughs> ammo to just start wrecking face, yeah. and it's really it's just it's just really funny because it really just uh, it kind of makes sense, right? Because he's the concierge. Obviously, he's only second to Winston. You would expect him to be a badass, but you kind of forget about that until that moment in the film. And it was also really cool to see them retreating back into the safe room because in a real gunfight, you run out of ammo. And there's nothing I hate more in action films where the main character just has infinite ammo. They completely disregard the fact that you have to reload. Um, especially like for those older, I don't know if you ever remember this, but those old 80s slash 90s films where they just have like a six shooter. And somehow they shoot 12 bullets and they always have just enough bullets to kill the final bad guy. Yeah. But in this, like one of the things John Wick does so well, it's very accurate with its gunplay. The whole time you're watching the film, you see him either switching guns with someone he's just killed or reloading. And that scene just, again, adds to the realism, or at least as real as you can get with the world of John Wick, about how important you know it is to keep track of how many bullets you have or what type of ammo you're using. Yeah. And just from talking to some buddies of mine who are, who are into shooting and, and guns and stuff like that they actually say John Wick is pretty accurate um, in terms of how they handle guns and how they shoot the guns and how they reload and stuff like that so yeah I always uh, I always enjoy movies that go the extra mile and making sure that all the things they're saying are actually factually correct so that was a very tactical scene for me and I really enjoyed how uh how I guess based on facts they made everything yeah also every concierge scene. dude kicks ass yeah, I was so happy. I haven't seen that guy since The Wire. Um, but yeah, he, they have, uh, Lance Reddick. And yeah, he just has like this very like put together demeanor. You know, like almost like um, Gustavo Fring from uh, Breaking Bad, where he's just very sure of his role. And I, I think a lot of these characters are played that way, where they're given one specific trait and they play the fuck out of it. And he played the fuck out of it. You know, you just like, he's just really sure of what he needs to do like in that scene where you know, they are first trying to kill all the, the SWAT assassin people and they come back they come back not only to reload but they're like we need to get bigger fucking firepower <laughs> and like we, we go pack we go uh, past all the sleek pistols and just go for the big gauges just to you know because they were pretty much throwing jabs and shooting the gun just to get a bullet through their mask so pretty badass scene um, I think one of my favorite shots here were the scene where John was fighting one of the SWAT people underwater. And it's had these scenes of them shooting and John like 
slowly dodging these bullets that are going past him at a weird angle because they're underwater. And then he just like swims up to him, puts the gun on his fucking helmet and just pulls the trigger. And then he gets out of a water full of uh, blood. This is everywhere. Really cool stuff. Like this this movie drips. It, it has swagger juice dripping everywhere. This is swagoo, man. That the dripping swagoo everywhere. Um, that scene was pretty dope. And yeah, like 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 you mentioned, ev- literally every other scene, if they weren't shooting, they were reloading to the point where you're like, man, it's like they're they're relo- reloading a lot. Like yeah, they're shooting a lot. Uh, so I I dug all that. I dug that pace it kept. Um, and th- then we got the whole scene leading up to John Wick versus Zero and his ninja friends. And it was total, like, classic martial arts tournament style where he's literally fighting his way up to the boss. And we get pretty cool fights with him pretty much being just fucked with with these ninjas u- utilizing the environment of mirrors and glass to their advantage. They keep nicking him every like right and left, and he finally gets the advantage of him. But the fight, I think you and I were waiting waiting for the most out of this scene was him fighting um, the characters from our other favorite action series, Raid Redemption, in a in a one v two match. And I was like, I think I, I don't know if I was the only one, but I literally was like giddy and like kicking my legs up and down. Just as they were approaching this fight, because I love those actors. You could, yeah, and you could tell for that final sequence they really took inspiration from the Raid Redemption films because yeah. the whole, like yeah. you said, the whole it, it seemed like a tournament bracket, which is what the Raid films do well. As mm-hmm. for instance, in the first Raid film, they go up each floor in the apartment complex, and as they go up, the challenges increase. And then you have Mad Dog, um, and then in the second one, he like. Starts with the lower tier fodder people in the final fight sequence. Then he works his way up through the more skilled assassins. And just the way the choreography took place, it just it just really felt like I was watching a Raid film, which is amazing because Raid is my favorite action film in terms of choreography. And then you have the two guys that he fights after those two ninja brothers. And... It's just hilarious because those two actors are the main villains in their respective Raid films. The Raid 1, you had Mad Dog, and then you had the assassin from Raid 2, and they were both fighting John Wick, and they were kind of hyping him up during that whole fight, and they were like, oh, he's kind of slow, but still, he's John Wick. Let's enjoy the hell out of this moment. Yeah. And you could you can already see how just like that's such great fan service for people who are, are really real fans of action films. And it just does not disappoint. They were even using the same type of blades that the assassin uses in the Raid 2 when they were fighting. And I think later on when he fights Zero, Zero mentions that those were his like top apprentices or they were his, his like students or something. Yeah. But what a cool like just sequence of, of give and take in that scene where John at one moment you know, could have been killed, but then they stop because they realize he's still rusty and they want to fight him at his best, like true martial artists. And then there's a separate scene towards the end of the that fight where he could kill them, but he doesn't. He gives them the same, um, I guess, uh, honor that they gave him yeah. uh, or the same mercy that he gave them, which you've seen John do before, right? When he... Um, 
was talked to, when he met Lawrence Fishburne's character in, in John Wick 2, he mentions that he started that organization because John stabbed him in the neck one time but didn't kill him. Um, and now he never lets anyone sneak up on him again. And then in the f- one of the final fights with Common, he doesn't kill Common. He just stabs him um, in some part of his heart. And he says, if you take the blade out, then you'll die. So we've seen John kind of extend that mercy to certain people throughout the film. Um, at least people he respects. And these two guys were one of them. And it just adds up to the hype about how skilled they are and, and how much of a challenge they pose to John that he, he extended that to, to them. But yeah, that whole scene just, just was fantastic. It was like watching the raid. It was the best of both worlds. You couldn't have asked for anything more when it came to that final conflict with the two students. Yeah. And I think on purpose, it had a lot of raid choreography. Like it had to be an homage to it. There was no way around that. Because even the way they fought, it was similar to the scene where, you know, one of the Shinobis in John Wick under Zero, um, I think the actor name is Yayin Ruhian, he plays the character Mad Dog in the Raid Redemption, and he has that final scene, spoiler for Raid Redemption, everyone should watch it though, but he has a scene where he's fighting two other uh, main powerhouses in that movie, and there's just this cool choreography you have when it's two versus one. And in this film, he's one of the two facing the one, John Wick. And it's just this cool back and forth of them using their speed and agility and ninja skills to try to slice John down a size. And then you have scenes where, like, John, he's the bigger dude of the two. So he's just doing a lot of rope and dope and then just slamming them when he gets a chance to. It's great choreography. I can watch, like, the reason why the Ray Redemption is so appealing to us is that it has these choreography moments where you just want to replay it over and over again. So like John Wick, I'll revisit those movies. Raid Redemption, I'll revisit those movies. John Wick 3, of course I'm going to revisit it because they have these just a barrage of martial arts skills that it's 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 like a dance. It's just a beautiful motion that these two actors were somehow able to choreograph for probably like a full seven minutes or something. I felt like that fight went along. Um, And then we had (laughs) the entire time just the fanboy just watch, like on his own personal TV, just watching John fight through all his pupils, and we finally get John versus Zero, and I thought that fight was pretty great too. I think I still like John versus his pupils a little bit more, um, but also I'm kind of a fanboy of those uh, martial artists and actors. But him versus Zero was just great because Zero is he he's he's mimicking not only the fierceness of John Wick but still playing up how much of a fanboy he is that this is even happening. Like, he's fighting the amazing John Wick. And there were moments in those fight where, you know, I, I could have definitely used more Zero throughout this movie or maybe even introduced in an earlier movie. But he's doing things that I feel like we would have watched the main character do and root for him because he's he was impaled by John with a knife and he just pulled it out of his chest and kept fighting with like only three real usable limbs left after John fucked him up. So I felt like it was a pretty good fight, <laughs> even until the end where, you know, he stabbed through his entire body <laughs> and then the fight's over. And they kind of have this moment of clarity that kind of reminded me of, you know, Black Panther and Killmonger towards the end of Black Panther, where they're just kind of talking. And <laughs> Zero's just hilarious. Like he's still like a fanboy. Like, you know, yeah, that was a pretty good fight, huh, John? He's like, yeah, 
Yeah, it was. And then John just walks away and he's like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll catch up with you. And then he just kind of dies there. But I'm like, you know, for like a, like a final boss battle with John Wick 3, I thought that was great. That was a really interesting. I don't see fanboys being the main boss in a lot of movies. I think it, they pulled it off pretty well here. They did. Um, and it was also a great casting, I think, a great casting call because I, I forget his first name, but I think his last name of that actor in real life is Dacosco. Yeah, Mark, Mark Dacosco. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he he's like the host from Iron Chef. So for me, it's always it was kind of <laughs> weird to see him in that role of him just like murdering people. I'm like, oh, my God. Is that is that what he's going to do in the next season of Iron Chef? The loser gets like seven <laughs> cuts or something. But he was actually in an action film that I saw before. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think that movie Cradle to the Grave, which is like a 2003 Jet Li. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It's a good pull. Or DMX movie. I, I can't remember. But I'm pretty sure he was the final villain in that. And I've always known he was a martial artist. But because of you know him just being on the Iron Chef, I never thought to see him in that light again it was very refreshing and i think it added to the character too because he had that fun loving goofy side to him but then also he's he's like one of the best assassins we've seen so far in john wick um so yeah it was a it was a good balance and again added to his his overall character made him unique but i think in that entire film all he wanted was to just be acknowledged right because even when john is in the hotel and he's talking to john and john's just kind of not interested in him as john walks away he stands up and he says in japanese i am a master of death just like you we are the same and you could see that he feels kind of disrespected at that moment that john just walks away from him and yeah at the end of that whole fight i think he got what he wanted john acknowledged him in a very even though it was a nonchalant way he he realized that john was actually put through the the ringer, so to speak, through an actual test, and he respected his skill. So then he just died a true fanboy's death, right? He he got acknowledged, and nothing else mattered at that point, and the fight was over. But it was, I I, I actually, I'm gonna pose the same question to you, Randy. But for me, that was probably top top three best fight scenes I've ever seen in an action film. Um, that whole sequence of, of John going through that entire slew of Zero's henchmen slash Zero himself. What do you what, 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 what do you think? That's a great question. I I will say it's at least in the top 10. Um, counting that whole sequence as a scene, yeah, definitely in the top 10. Um, I'm pretty sure Ray Redemption still holds like three spots in my top 10. So I'm, I'm going to have to... And John Wick 1 has crazy gun foo in there. But... Yeah, loved it. The choreography was crazy. Um, and yeah, but it was good to see him go out being recognized by John. You know, it almost felt like, you know, everything comes back to anime. It almost felt like One Punch Man. Like John Wick is One Punch Man. Zero He's is Boros. Pretty much unstoppable. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, like those are great. Like between that and the shard battle earlier in the film, just like legendary choreographed sequences. Definitely from an American movie standpoint, one of like the best martial arts sequences. Um, yeah, Keanu does it again. And then, then we get to the finale, right? We get to John um, coming up with uh, the manager to meet the adjudicator in a, in a parlay on the roof. And they're pretty much making a deal and the 
adjudicator's like, oh, okay, you're just flexing the entire time, man. Or you're just trying to show that strength of power. You know, all right, that's fine. That's fine. You know, just re-pledge to the table. We'll, you know, we'll sweep it under the rug. You know, you'll probably have to kill John Wick, though. And then John Wick comes through and shoots him right off the roof. You're know, like, wow, okay. Didn't really seem pretty abrupt to shoot John Wick. But, um, it, yeah, I, I like how that scene kind of fell out. And then we see, you know, she goes down to the street. She checks the alley or the street where John fell. He's not there. And she talks to the manager saying, like, listen, like, John's not there. If he's still alive, you know, like, she essentially says we don't need, like, the boogeyman coming for us at night. And he's like, oh, you know, he couldn't have got far. And then we get <laughs> we get uh, John being carried through by one of the the operatives of um, the the underground king. And he meets up with, this is a great scene, because we get the true, like, we got the reunion of the Morpheus Neo in John Wick 2, but I feel like this one was even more that, where we, we and I didn't really pick up on this before, but while there's the high table and the one above the table, but there are the ones under the table, which doesn't just speak to, you know, normal people, but literally the underground crime organization that Lawrence Fishburne's character holds seems to be just as powerful as the organization that lives in light. So then we just get Lawrence's character just fucking just like just braggadociously just saying how, you know, like you cut the king, like you better kill. And now that like, you know, like he's still alive and he's like, yo, you know, I'm pissed off. I'm pissed off. You pissed off, John? And then just Keanu's great reserved delivery of, yeah, I'm pissed off. I, like, as much as I thought this movie was going to conclude John Wick, and I felt like, yeah, another movie after this would just be a bit much, a bit excessive. But just for it to end that moment, just fucking spine tingling of just good sensations all around. Um, love this ending. What did you think about uh, that little reunion there? Everything that led up to it. Um, that was the, that was actually probably the coolest part for me because, I I know I said this earlier, I was happy that I finally encountered a film where the third in the trilogy was the best one, but that ending, pretty much said no, Alex, we're not going for a trilogy, we're going for a quadrilogy, which I've never. I, I, I can't think of too many Watch film release. series where that go past the third film. And normally if they do, they're pretty terrible. I'm looking at you, Highlander. But um, when it comes to that ending, I'm like, oh, my God. Not only did they do what very few action movies have been able to do, they've actually paved the way for something I've never seen before, which is a fourth installment in, in a series where every movie is good. And it's not like they're pulling a plot for a fourth film out of nowhere. Um, they're actually, it's actually just a continuation of the story. Hopefully the final one, because I, I really don't think five would do it. But I'm hoping that in four, they finally finish explaining everything in terms of the background of assassins, the origin story, um, what the one above the table has 
in terms of origin as well. And I actually want to see the people at the high table. I'm tired of hearing about them. I actually want to see them in that fourth film as John comes after them. And another thing that I should have seen coming, but I didn't until I saw that ending was when John gives the one who sits above the table the wedding ring and he puts it in his pocket afterwards, that's where the that, that inevitable conclusion is going. He's going to go back. He's going to take the ring back from that guy. And that'll probably be like the final conflict of that whole series where he'll go and work his way, mow his way through tons of people to get to him. And then he'll kill him, essentially, you know, dissolving that whole system and getting his ring back, which is the memory of his wife, which is his humanity. So I'm really looking forward to that. I actually want to see him try to do some choreographed kills with his dog, like Sophia's character did in this one. Um, But yeah, that Lawrence Fishburne, Morpheus, Neo reunion at the end just put a smile on my face. Like, it really did. It, uh, It sent... It sent me down a trip down memory lane. And it's it's really cool, right? Because Keanu Reeves, I would say, is part of the most successful American action series, which is John Wick. And the second, I, you know, a contender, some people will prefer The Matrix over John Wick. Keanu Reeves is the leading role in both of those. So he has absolutely outdone himself yeah. with just picking these roles and bringing them to life. And um, he's actually pretty well versed in action films because I remember him in a more obscure film. I forget what year it came out, but it was called like The Man of Tai Chi or something like that. And uh, it was this it was this foreign film where Keanu Reeves hired this Tai Chi master to fight these underground fights for him and, and make money. And then at the end, Keanu Reeves is like the final bad guy. Uh, which I've only ever seen him be the bad guy once in another movie called The Watcher. But he was the final bad guy, and he has, like, this really cool fight scene with this Tai Chi master. But, like, I just enjoy Keanu Reeves in those action movie roles, which I think is where he really just... That's that's where he, he really shows his, his talent as an actor because I feel like he's really well-suited for action roles. And so far, he hasn't disappointed. Like, him being in John Wick and The Matrix... That's that's pretty impressive, um, and they were both trilogies, um, as well. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the fourth one. That ending was really satisfying, and I just want to give one last shout out to those secretaries in the films. Like they get such a small, like view viewing, <laughs> they but cool they're visual characters. Yeah, they're they're so cool. Like they're these tatted up guys and girls who just run the whole they're like the circulatory system of the entire organization they just run everything from the file keeping to declaring someone excommunicado to keeping track of the bounties they're awesome and one thing i really appreciated was one of the secret the secretary they showed in um the moment where they decommissioned the the continental the secretary who picks up that phone he's actually plays the penguin in gotham the tv show it was cool to see him play a role like that. It was very minor, but oh, right. the, in, in in both movies, they show women, like just women being the secretaries. He's actually a dude in this one, and he's still tatted up, and he's got like the lip piercing and stuff, but it was very stylish. It was, it was very cool to see him in that role. So yeah, just like little details like that, I really appreciate from the John Wick films. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I love, Every time I saw them, like, these are just cool, like, people working what seems to be like a nine to five, you know? <laughs> they seem badass too uh totally agree 
Um, and, you know, it's interesting comparing The Matrix to John Wick now. And, you know, I think, you know, still The Matrix, for the first movie is hard to touch. It's in the top ten of probably my film list in general. But I, I do have an interesting question of what what's a better role for Keanu Reeves? Do you think he played John Wick better? Or was he better as Neo? Or, you know, was he better as Constantine? Where does John Wick lie in your your uh, pantheon of Keanu Reeves character rankings? That's a tough one because I love every single movie you just mentioned. The Matrix is obviously um, a classic. It was revolutionary for its time. The Wachowski brothers doing catching lightning in a bottle with those with those films and then Constantine probably one of my favorite movies of all time just because again it does a great job of making this really cool world that is a magical but at the same time based in like an everyday uh, city like you would find yeah in, I, I, yeah York. I think it's an underrated movie like it, it you know it has some problems but it it's a stylish cool lore that they build from this comic book Absolutely. Uh, I'm with you there. Yeah. Uh, but I would honestly, and I might be suffering from recency bias where I'm just going to, you know, be more attached to the thing I recently saw. I think his best role was John Wick. I really do. Because I feel like now he's had time to go from the Matrix movie. He's had, he has experience with those types of films. Now he's more polished. And it really shows with like the nuanced movements and mannerisms of John Wick in these films. I feel like that's Keanu Reeves at his best now that he's got all that experience under his belt with action films and, and choreography and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with John Wick. What about you? Yeah, I'll be boring to see John Wick as well. A Because I feel like they tailored this role to him. I don't think The Matrix, the one that character, was tailored to Keanu. You know, like it almost went to Will Smith. Um I don't think John Wick would have, would have ever gone to Will Smith. <laughs> I can see him in his in his universe, but not as John Wick. Um, I buy that this character is supposed to be is supposed to be this reserved assassin who's legendary um, in this field. I almost feel like it was a representation of Keanu's career, where he is a legend now in these movies and a lot of these action based movies. He is a legend, and so this is. And, you know, he's, he's just getting up there in age. He's, you know, what, around late 40s, early 50s, something like that. Looks great, but, yep. you know, I can totally see him retiring soon or at least stepping down from a less action-heavy role. But this being a film about a character who, even if some will see he, him as past his prime, it doesn't even seem that way. It just seems like his prime hasn't even been reached yet. And I think John Wick just exemplifies Keanu as a reserved badass action hero um, who's charming too you know like he just says anything you're like I just want to hang out with that guy even after he just stabbed someone in a knife with like a glass shard still want to hang out with that guy um, so I'm with you I think I think John Wick 3 um, shows that this is his best character he's done so far um, and I'm yeah I, I agree. I'm so excited for John Wick 4 and I, don't I, worry man I you're gonna get your wish because he's making Bill and Ted 3 That'll that'll yes. be completely different from this. You'll see his <laughs> true acting chops in that film. I just want him but, to come back um, to the Speed franchise. You know, Speed Three. He's like in an Uber car. <laughs> you know, he has to keep it going. 
you know that's a that's a great point you just said uh, because I actually forgot that that was his first movie, which was an action film. Well, Point so. Break came before that, so he had he had Point Break. Oh, that's and right. then that's right. Speed. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then I think really that made him the star that he is now. It's like all right, Point Break, people Pete liked Patrick it. Swayze. Yeah, and yeah, Speed, but it's still it's pretty solid. I haven't seen it in a while, but I just like as a kid, I think I'd watch it every year, and it's just. A crazy entertaining movie about a crazy like the plot makes almost no sense, but <laughs> I accept it and it's brilliant. And you know, you know, Keanu does a great job there. But you know, he can you can tell he's young. He's a younger actor, and I felt like this role didn't have to have him act out of character. I feel like he, whoever I perceive Keanu Reeves to be, I feel like John Wick was is that dude with reserved aggression thrown about uh, but you know i agree i think john wick still top keanu reeves movie for me followed by the matrix series and probably followed by speed and constantine but dude john wick for 2021 i think it drops it's fucking excited 2021 yeah yeah uh, um yeah and definitely if you haven't seen john wick 3 i don't know why you're listening to this spoiler heavy review but uh <laughs> definitely go watch it um, highly recommended. And in terms of just closing thoughts, I really think one of the things I want to see more Keanu Reeves in is actually a thriller or a horror movie. Um, because I've only ever seen him play the bad guy once, and I mentioned that he was in the movie The Watcher, which I think came out in the year 2000. But it was not a good movie. <laughs> but he, just in an eerie way, is very well suited for playing like a psychopathic killer because of just his monotone expressions and his delivery. <laughs> but I would love to see him in something like that, which is actually a great segue for our next segment, Randy. Something new. Why don't you tell us about it? Oh, yeah. So we're going to flip it up here. So we love John Wick. We love the action genre. So what we're going to do is um, via this random film genre generator um click the button and it's going to spew out some random genre and then we're going to try to adapt a a high overview fan fiction of what would john wick do in that genre yeah so um hit that button let us know what comes out we'll try to try to make a john wick story here in a new genre we get all right and here we go Oh, all right. Well, this kind of plays in perfectly with, I guess, kind of plays in perfectly to what we were just talking about with The Matrix and wanting to see him more in in like a thriller type setting. But the two genres for this particular one is going to be sci-fi slash mystery. Sci-fi mystery, okay. Which could be described as The Matrix. Yeah, I'm I'm already getting X like X Files vibes here. Like he's he's Agent Mulder. I Dude, see he it. would do so well in the X Files show or movie. Actually, I want to see that. Yeah. All right. I I think I, I feel where you're going here. Like, all right, so, um, yeah, I, I like the idea of John Wick. Like, all right, so the high table, the high table, aren't humans. You know, they're like, like some otherworldly beings. Like they're fucking aliens. It's kind of like <laughs> controlling shit on Earth or something like that. You know. Yeah. Like a like an Illuminati type, they're actually from outer space. Yeah, extraterrestrial um, Illuminati. So we have John Wick unraveling the mystery, 
that the high table, so he finally makes it to the high table, realizes that the origin of assassins is that aliens came down to Earth, we'll say <laughs> millions like of years ago, um, met early humans as they were developing, and then realized that they, uh, I don't know, I guess could be worshipped like gods maybe, maybe we could take that approach where the origins of humans are, they encounter aliens, view them as gods, and so, as a reward, the aliens allow them to select a representative from each tribe and have them sit at this table and kind of control the inner workings of human society. Uh, what are you feeling? How are you like feeling it. about like that, that so far? I like that. That's I, I, okay. The, the way you say it, it almost sounds like this could be true. Everyone's so scared of the high table as if they're like these extraterrestrial beings. Um, although I guess that's what government officials kind of feel like sometimes, like just aliens we can't control. Um, I like that. I would also like almost doing like a South Park route where <laughs> you find out John Wick and pretty much all of Earth, you know, which is a planet full of, filled with assassins seemingly in this world. Uh, the, <laughs> so the aliens pretty much use that as a show. So they have uh, arbitrarily forced the, this plot line upon Earthlings for them to battle out. And then the aliens just kind of show this as a television broadcast back at home. And then John Wick breaks this fourth wall and then tries to stop the television producers from making more stuff like this, which maybe could be a meta commentary between our overconsumption of like action based violent gunplay movies, you know? So I like <laughs> it. I like it. Yeah. yeah. It's like the, like spoilers for Sausage party, but like the end of Sausage party where they find out their, they're like cartoons, you know, being animated by some people, high people, who uh, just smoke weed and make weird movies all day. I think which that, just goes yeah. back to the South Park theme, right? Because then they all just realize they're giant douches. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I you know I feel like this is if this is not chapter four, I think this will at least be chapter five, at least where like John defeats the human versions of the high tables, and then there's not only the one above the table, but there there's the ones above the one above the table <laughs> and it's fucking which aliens is in space yep <laughs> which is space people and yeah that'll be john wick five right where john wick is fighting the aliens in outer space on their ship using like laser guns instead of regular uh guns from earth and uh he's just wrecking face you got sophia's dogs attacking these aliens but then she realizes <laughs> like that there's one the fatal flaw <laughs> exactly <laughs> Then you rea Sophia realizes they actually have no nuts, so the dogs are ineffective. Um, it'll be a whole thing. It'll it'll be fantastic, people. Don't worry about it. I like it. Then it turns out this is actually in the same universe as E.T. And E.T. is also trying to be join a rebellion against these people. And so you see E.T. teaming up with Keanu Reeves' character to uh, defeat the high table. <laughs> that's, and that's then it. you realize the final twist. Not even M. Night Shyamalan could have done this one. You realize the entirety of John Wick is just a prequel for E.T. That's it. That's it. <laughs> like, yeah, E.T. is sent there. And, like, I actually forget the plot of E.T., but, like, he, like, loses his memory of John and everything that happened. Or he just needs to get exactly. back because he's the key to finally ending the rebellion. <laughs> we got some Star Wars vibes going on here now, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like it. And then, also, it turns out that Toy Story 4... Um, was the cause of John Wick because that was just Sid 
living out his fantasy of a world full of assassins. So John Wick's actually which a toy is, now. Which is great because Keanu Reeves is actually Duke Kaboom in Toy Story 4. This is true. Good pull. So that works perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, that was entirely silly. But... <laughs> wait, 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 we need to get this a title. What's the title of this John Wick movie? Oh, man. Like John Wick Chapter 5 Spaceballs? No, no, uh, man, I got it. John Wick Chapter 5 Intergalactic. Intergalactic line, and you, you know, just Beastie Boys throughout the <laughs> him beating ass, him beating space ass um, by uh, Beastie Boys soundtrack. Perfect. I love it. That's a wrap. That's a that's a million dollar Trademark. movie right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's doing it. We did it, man. Um, reviewed John Wick and came up with another um, ninety million plus dollar box office hit. Great. You're welcome. You're welcome, Hollywood. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's not a freebie though. Hit us up for the for the spec script coming soon. Um, yeah, well, we'll try to do one of those maybe every other time, because um, it's it's pretty ridiculous. But I think that'll do it. Uh, any final thoughts on the John Wick series? You know what? I think one one mention is the guy who plays Winston. Um, I I'm terrible with names, so I'm always blanking out on on actor names. But the actor who plays Winston. I absolutely love him Can't as say. an actor, um, especially the roles he's played already in the past for me. Um, I know he's in it. Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick. Uh, no, no, the, uh, Winston. Oh, Winston's yeah. character. Um, I, I don't, he wasn't in The Wire, so I don't remember his name. <laughs> That's how I base what names I remember, if they were in The Wire or not. But anyways, his 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 roles are generally the typical suave kind of silver tongue yeah, devil. He has great swagger. Yeah, he's Ian McShane. Ian McShay, that's right. That's yeah, yeah, I love him in American Gods, which I'm sure we'll review at some point, but he just does a really good job with roles like that and he did it again in John Wick 3, so he definitely deserves a mention. He was one of the powerhouses of that film in terms of not only just being a fascinating character, but just being kind of just a badass, right? He's the leader of the Continental, he rebels against the adjudicator and then betrays John Wick at the end. The man was like a triple agent. But, yeah, he's uh, he's a really fascinating character. Ian McShay did a great job of portraying him. So, shout-outs to you, Ian McShay. Come on our show. We can't pay you. <laughs> can't pay you anything, but we'll pay you in respect because we know your name now. Um, yeah, driven with Swagoo. Loved his character. Um, I'll just say... You know what? I'm not done with this series. I want them to make 10 John Wicks, even if the subtitles are because it's spinoffs, you know? John Wick, colon, Sophia. I, like, I would take spinoffs. I think I think I heard a, a TV show was being developed called The Continental, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe another movie. But I want to... Which is a great yeah, idea. I want to live in perfect, this universe. Perfect universe for a TV show. Absolutely. There's like... We were mostly in New York for a lot of these plots. Uh, you can imagine Los Angeles has its own thing, you know, all the major, not only United States cities, but throughout the world, there's so much you could do with this. It's, it's, you know, might as well be the intercontinental. There's just apparently these major points of uh, respect throughout the, the world. And I, I want to see the, the continental in, you know, fucking Houston, Texas, like what is the vibe 
in all these different areas where assassins are, you know? Like, does Switzerland have badass assassins too? Like, I just imagine that place is so nice. But I bet they do. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, great, great accent. Not offensive. Um, yeah. Not at all. <laughs> I actually heard rumors that they were trying to uh, maybe combine... What was that assassin movie last year? It was like a woman assassin. The trailer looked, looked really cool. Never saw the actual movie. But they were trying to... Atomic Blonde? Yeah. I, I saw I heard rumors that they were trying to maybe make a, a crossover film. I'm not sure if that was ever confirmed or not, but I'll take it. Like, Well, they did play a, they did play a trailer during the John Wick film, at least when I went to go see it in theaters, of a movie called Anna. I don't know if you saw the same trailer when you went to see John Wick 3, but it seems familiar. like it's in the same vein. It's in the same vein of John Wick, but it's like a female assassin. So... I think there is a movie that's going to kind of do that, but it would be cool to see them blend John Wick with other characters. I personally, in my own world, if I had infinite budget, I would just combine John Wick with the MCU. I would love to see John <laughs> Wick taking on the Defenders in New York City or, you know, not even that, not not even just that, but I'd love to see him take on the Punisher. Him and the Punisher in, in one show or movie I feel like it would be fantastic. Yeah. I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah, I would love a, a director's cut of Avengers Endgame where, you know, like they, the, one of the characters asks, like, is, is that it? Is there anyone else? And, like, Strange is like, there's one more. You're going to see John Wick come out in his suit, you know, and then, like, a chill goes up Thanos' spine. <laughs> because Thanos, Thanos realizes part... he killed John's dog. <laughs> exactly. Also, he's a part of the the ones above the one above the high table in john wick chapter five intergalactic you know oh man <laughs> um yeah it's crazy yeah. he's i mean he's pretty much a superhero john wick so i, I would totally accept it. also my head canon tells me that all keanu reeves movies take place in the same universe just at different points so the matrix is the future but then you have constantine and john wick occurring in the same universe that's you know that's i'm just gonna think that is fact <laughs> that's right i mean there's you could totally, no backing whatsoever you could totally use the matrix as like a MacGuffin for all that like yeah this is a different version of neo's character where he's a he's a demon slayer constantine this one he's a you know he's a good police officer in speed the other one he's a badass assassin assassin it's kind of like the dark door exactly. stephen king yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah. I, I think I, I think I think that'll do it. I think we agree that uh, it was generally a pretty great experience. Yeah, um, John Wick, Chapter Three, Parabellum, excellent movie, excellent franchise, and that'll do it for our film podcast podcast today. So tune in next time where we will discuss our season eight review of Game of Thrones. Until then. Feel free to reach out to us at aftertheactpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on our SoundCloud page at aftertheact. And don't kill dogs out there. Solid plug, man. Solid. Perfect.